Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review. Hang out with us for a while, right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law. Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. They fight the legal battle, so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast, version 315, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. We'll try to do both for you. Somehow, some way today during this version of the podcast, will the Cowboys try to do it for us on Sunday in Minnesota? Will they dazzle us? Will they entertain us? We'll find out. We'll dive into that. Got a couple of other thoughts. But before we get rolling here today, let's tell you, as we always do, about Greening Law. The attorneys and the green team there at Greening Law. Robert Greening, as many of you know, I've been a client and have been working with him for somehow it has been 16 months now since I had my car wreck which is crazy, but that's the process, man. The process, a lot of the times when you go through something like this, there's so much that happens behind the scenes with what you need to do as they're building your case and fighting off these insurance companies and and helping you get what you need. That's why you need the green team on your side. And since the consultation's free, if you think you have a case, I don't know why you wouldn't call them. Bro, the best thing you can do if you're involved in some kind of accident or incident like that, man, it's just pick up the phone and get a green team a call. And here's why. Matt's already told you, this is a complicated thing, man. It's a long process. It's a tedious process. You need somebody, as I like to say, with a flashlight showing you the path to walk down, holding your hand, telling you, hey, turn here, turn there. Don't worry about it. We know the, the, uh, the bridge is shaking, but we're good. We're not going to fall. We got you. That's what the green team does. That is exactly what the green team does. They will get you taken care of. They do all that stuff for you. It's 972-934-8900. Again, that consultation is free. It's easy. Find out. 972-934-8900. You can call them now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. And Dallas, Texas, the Cowboys getting ready. They're flying up to Minnesota this Minnesota this weekend. And we and jinxed we jinxed it. That was it? Yeah, yeah. Hold up, let me hear something. I heard a little... Okay. It it switched. It switched input. Yeah, it switched input and disappeared. Uh, Hold up a second. That was weird. See, it's back now. Yeah, you're good. Okay. 
No, it, I, I, I saw it and heard it that time. It literally switched it. And I wasn't doing anything. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't In know. the computer, not moving at all. Okay. I don't know. It's very bizarre. But the Cowboys, they are headed to Minnesota. It's a 325 kick. And despite the fact it's an NFC on NFC game, it is a CBS game. So be aware of that, which means Romo and Nance will be calling the Dallas Cowboys and the Vikings on Sunday. You know, we kind of talked about this a little bit with Todd Archer and on the last version of the podcast. The reality of it is, if you cannot stop the run or be better against stopping the run, this is a Minnesota Vikings team that has one of the best running backs in the NFL in Dalvin Cook. He has, we're talking about a running back that's coming into this game averaging five yards a carry already, and he hasn't even played Dallas. He has two 100-plus yard games in his last three. To me, it feels like we'll know fairly early on if they're going to be able to slow down Dalvin Cook, and if they can't, this could be a very long day for the Cowboys. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that, man. I've I've told you and I've told several people I've talked to about the game that, um, you know, to me, they'll do as good a job as they can do this week because it's been a point of emphasis Uh, with the coaching staff, with the players talking amongst themselves. You heard uh, read about J. Ron Curse at the Dallas Morning News talking about he was mad and everybody on the defense ought to be mad about their BS Rudy Poot performance. That's me talking, not him. Um, you know, you heard Michael Parsons talk about it. Tank Lawrence has talked about it. So when you get a team that understands what that it played poorly and all of that, you're going to get their best effort. And we'll see if their best effort is good enough. Hopefully it is, but I think they have a. If they can, they have a chance to slow him down. Just because you'll get their best effort, they'll make some adjustments uh, in personnel. They'll make some adjustments with the scheme this week. But I think you'll you'll see the best that they can do against Dalvin Cook, and he's a really good running back. So you know it's going to be a challenge. He's a very very good running back, and you know the Cowboys defense, like you're talking about, we have heard, we have seen them saying all the right things this week. Do you buy into any of? When, when players start talking about how pissed they are and how frustrated they are and that type of thing, do you buy into that as something that they carry into the next game? Yeah, but I, I buy into it from a very different perspective. Not that this is groundbreaking, earth-shattering, but to me it's just what it is. And I spend enough time around coaches and players to, uh, to say that, in my opinion, this is what it is. When you're mad and you're upset, it's not that that's not what drives you to play well the next week. What it means is you prepare more. And we've talked about this before, Doc. Instead of studying tape for eight hours a week, maybe you study it for 10. Um, you know, maybe you get to the facility an hour earlier. Maybe you pull the coach aside and say, hey, on this particular two defensive schemes, I just want to make sure, what do I do on this if I see this front and if I see that front? Uh, when you're at lunch, hey, Matt, uh, when they run this, when, they, when we run this stunt, Doug, are you going to come first at the first count or are you going to take two counts to go? I just want to make sure I'm clear. I want to make sure I'm good. It's all that kind of shit. It's the extra preparation. It's the extra attention to detail in meetings and then film study and then practice that ultimately leads to the better performance. So when all those guys say they're mad, what it means is I'm studying more this week. I'm more focused this week. I'm more in tune this week because we got to get it done. 
Yeah, now, now the test will be on Sunday. And I guess that's where we all get curious because it's one thing like you're talking about. Let's, let's be pissed. Let's be frustrated. Let's spend extra time doing all that stuff. But as you just said, now you got to get it done because otherwise none of that means anything. And if they don't get it done and Dalvin Cook and Minnesota run all over them, the belief in this team that is already on shaky ground after what happened in Green Bay, I, I think almost completely evaporates because if you're not going to do it this week, after the performance we just saw you have defensively, when are you going to do it? And do you have the ability to be able to do it at all? No, that's all fair. But, you know, at another level, it ain't complicated, man. It's like when you were in school, if you flunked the test, what did you do on the next time you had a test? If you cared about your grade at all. Yeah. Then, then you just studied more. You prepared more. You took better notes. That's all it is. And if you could do better, like history, I'm talking about me, you know, history or some other class. You did better. And if it was Algebra 2, maybe you took it from a 36 to a 56, but you still flunked. You know what I'm saying? So we'll see what they got, man. Uh, But, um, you know, there'll be some scheme changes because, you know, part of the reason everybody's running so good in today's NFL, even though running backs are undervalued, is why everybody's playing their nickel because everybody's got three receivers out there or four receivers out there, and you're running into those kinds of defensive sets. Uh, the Cowboys love to play with their big nickel and J. Ryan Kirst. Well, that doesn't leave that bigger body for run defense. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of moving parts to it. I'm really intrigued to see if they get it fixed out. If they get it fixed, if they get it fixed, because, uh, bro, you're right. It's a huge part of the season, and everybody these days uh, that's on their schedule wants to run the ball, and so they literally have got to get it fixed. Well, I can tell you this. I certainly understand the Algebra 2 reference because I did fail Algebra 2 in high school. Did you try? No, I tried. It was wild, man. I mean, I, I legitimately, this was the weird, my junior year I failed, and I had to retake it my senior year. I went to the teacher's class for tutoring early before school. And I had a private tutor that I went to. Like, I can't remember. It was at least once a week. It might have been twice. And I still, my senior year, my algebra teacher, like, calls my parents and tells them, like, right before the final, like, if he fails the final, he's not going to graduate. And my, they're like, I mean, what do you want the guy to do? Like, I've done, I did, I go to all the tutoring. I go to a private tutor algebra and my mind my my brain looks at that and goes nope um this is what i think because i had a very similar experience i think um i think in today's world i would have done much better because i think when i was in high school or junior high teachers had one way to teach it and if you didn't get that way then you flunked the class in today's world you really can go online and you can go to YouTube and there will be some way, somehow you can find if you if you want to, to break it down. Or you can look at these YouTube videos as long as you want and really get an understanding of what they're doing. Yeah. And, and I think then I could pass it like in today's world, unless you have a learning disability to me, if you really want to pass something, there's enough help out there on YouTube and all this other stuff that really can break stuff down that um, you can pass if, if that's your desire. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, maybe the Cowboys spent some time on YouTube watching videos of other defenses this week trying to figure <laughs> out, oh, yeah, we should be doing that. Hey, oh, that's what we do when Dalvin Cook tries to run against us. This is an interesting game to me, man, because, you know, the other side of this is it's not just Dallas Cook going against one of the worst run defenses so far in the NFL. 
I am going to be fascinated to see the Justin Jefferson Trayvon Diggs battle. Because last week, everybody, and we talked about this, everybody was, blow, oh, Christian Watson, how do you do Christian Watson? Nobody was mentioning Alan Lazard because Trayvon Diggs shut him down. Right, right. Justin Jefferson's a different beast now. Justin Jefferson is a dude they target over 10 times a game. He's on the season through nine games. He has 69 catches. He already has 1,000 yards receiving. You know, the, 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 the reality of it is the flip side, and this is like the, the Lazard-Christian Watson thing. We all know who Adam Thielen is. Adam Thielen doesn't scare you. Adam, Adam Thielen doesn't put fear into you like Justin Jefferson does. And so that battle, you got to wonder, is Kirk Cousins going to throw it over there a couple of times? Because we all know he'll, he'll throw you a pick or two. How many times can Trayvon Diggs shut down that Justin Jefferson battle? Because we also are aware that there are times where Trayvon Diggs, if he goes for it and misses, Justin Jefferson's the guy that'll just take it to the house on you. Well, that, that also begs the other question, Doug. Is that really the battle? Or should you put Trayvon Diggs on Adam Thielen and then double cover Justin Jefferson? How much do you think that that would be if Anthony Brown can't give it a go this week? He was limited in practice yesterday, and, and I don't – sounds like they don't know if he'll play because he's in concussion protocol, I guess. Well, in that case, uh, you probably put Trayvon on a more dangerous player. Um, but it's a, uh, it's it's a, uh, you know, I was I was actually talking to Deion Sanders about this a few oh, days ago. What? Ooh, look at you, fancy! Uh, about the benefits of doing one thing or the other. Uh, I can't remember how this conversation popped up, but that's what we were talking about. Like, because he said often that he covered the number two guy, Alvin Harper, and his team would double team the other the other best receiver, so they could take one guy out completely and know exactly where you were trying to go with the ball. And try to you know try to take away your your offense that way. Uh, it's an interesting point you raised about Anthony Brown. And in today's NFL, you can't trust anything with the concussion protocol because they're going to err on the side of caution, uh, which I don't think before the tour thing this year maybe they would have done. Uh, so given that, I probably put him on Jefferson, but it's a, it's an interesting dilemma because if Kelvin Joseph has to play and Deron Bland has to play. On the outside, it's just, uh, it, you know, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and, and that makes it completely different because Adam Thielen is a very good wide receiver. I mean, even if you're trying to do that, and we saw what happened last week when Anthony Brown went out, even when he was there, Watson did go around him once, but we saw Watson who abused Deron Bland and Kelvin Joseph. Adam Thielen's a better wide receiver in the NFL than Christian Watson is right now, that's for sure. Now, he's not as fast. He's not as fast as Christian Watson, but, I mean, this is a guy who has carved out quite a nice living in the NFL as the number two wide receiver and a pretty damn good one. Ah, no doubt. No, I mean, you know, the only question is uh, Adam Thielen's not going to bust your ass. Right. You know, he may move the ball down the field, but he's not going to bust your ass. Justin Jefferson can bust your ass, take over game. And that's ultimately why you probably put Trayvon Diggs on him and hope that that doesn't happen. The flip side of this defensively, th this is interesting because the Vikings have a takeaway in every single game they've played this year. They are second in the NFL with 18 takeaways in their nine games. Now, you could sit here and say, well, some of those, you know, they were basically given like the fumble last week in the goal line. It still counts, though. And they did have four takeaways against Buffalo. So that kind of skews it a little bit. But, hey, they've gotten eight takeaways in their last three games. This is a defense that will take the ball away from you. It's interesting, too, because they're kind of average. They, they give up. You can score on them. 
You can put up some yardage on them. They've allowed some teams to run on them. They're bottom five in pass defense. Part of that is because they're facing a lot of passing, but they are bottom five in yards allowed per pass. So it, it's, it's a defense that I think it feels like is solid at best, but you still have these dudes in Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith who have combined for 15 and a half sacks and 24 tackles for a loss. Harrison Smith is one of the best safeties in the NFL. He's already gotten four interceptions. Patrick Peterson, who seems like he's been in the league forever, has three picks already this year. They've got some pieces on this defense, but at the same time, this is not like a dominant defense. No, it's not. And um, here's the deal, man. Um, You can move the ball on him, but what's the most important thing in every game and even more important against a team like this? You got to protect the ball, man. Uh, as Bill Parcells would say, Dak can't be making these indiscriminate throws in the middle of the field that result in turnovers. Uh, just protect the ball. Uh, you know what they say, any possession that ends with a kick is positive. And if you make the Vikings drive, you have a shot. You're going to give them a bunch of short fields, then it's going to be some sad singing and some slow walking off the field on uh, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it definitely is. And, and this is an interesting one because – I mean, obviously, you don't have to have this game, but, man, you sure as hell would like it. And then if you want to can be hanging around with Philadelphia and you want to try and keep pace, as shockingly as it is with the Giants, I mean, this is one of those games, again, as I've said, you look at what they have coming up with these three games that they have. After you get back from Minnesota, you're playing again immediately on Thursday at home against the Giants, and then you've got the Colts and the Texans coming to AT&T Stadium. You've got a chance right here, if you can get this one, to get a streak, especially at home, against, honestly, three teams that you should beat at home. And well, that's why I'm, I'm going with the Cowboys, man. I think I believe in the theory about the desperate team in the NFL. And you can say, oh, there's, you know, they're six and three, they're fine, they're whatever. No, there's a sense of desperation there. Uh, Minnesota won a game that they probably shouldn't have won. Uh, oh, they've won so a few think, of those. <laughs> and so they're sitting pretty. They've got, you know, a 12-game lead or whatever it is in the NFC North. There's no desperation there. And I think the Cowboys are feeling bad. They're a desperate team. And I think that they will go up to Minnesota, a place where they won uh, last year, and I think they'll win again. Yeah, man. I mean, you look at this as, as it applies to the Vikings. Minnesota, in their eight wins, seven of them are by one score or less. This is a team that beat the Lions by four, the Saints by three, the Bears by seven, the Dolphins by eight, the Cardinals by eight, the Commanders by three, and the Bills last week in overtime by three. They've played in a lot of close games, man, and and I'm kind of with you. I think that we are going to see an effort from Dallas. I think this is going to be a fun one. Dak's got to be the better version of Dak that we really kind of haven't seen much of this year. I think they'll be effective running the football, but I'm going to take the Cowboys to win this one on the road and get something going. Man, this is going to be an interesting one. The Vikings have only scored more than 30 points twice this year, and they've only held three opponents under 20. So give me the Cowboys to win this one on the road in Minnesota. I'm going to take 27-24. You get on my fucking nerves, Matt. What did I, I, is that your prediction? No, twenty-seven, twenty-three. <laughs> God, we're right on it, man. Dude, no, that's what I had. See, that's how you know I've been groomed by greatness. I've learned from Jacques because our scores are always so very similar. Dude. But that's, I mean, when you look at this game, it, it could go either way, but I, I you know, Cowboys are going to get one on the road, so buy into well, I, them and we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, I told you. I think it's just a desperate team theory. That's that's what it is for me. I'll buy it, man, and that goes a long way. All right, before we take this trip around the block, let's tell you about a couple of our fantastic sponsors. As many of you know, or at least I hope you know, if you don't know, you need to know, Brews Biltong. It's B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, Brews Biltong online right now for you. If you are a beef jerky fan, I said this, I, I believe last year I said this, and I'll tell you this again. Christmas is right around the corner. You can order these little snack-sized bags of Brews Biltong. If you have a beef jerky lover in your family, I am telling you, these make a phenomenal stocking stuffer. I ordered a few bags last year that we used as gifts for family members that like beef jerky. We're like, hey, if you like beef jerky, you guys got to try this. And you see like when they pull it out of the stocking or they open up the little bag, like what, Biltong, what is this? And you explain it to them. Oh, it's a 100% South African air-dried beef. It's delicious. Well, I know you like beef jerky, but this is way easier to chew, more flavor, more tender, more savory. I think you're going to love it. It's a great gift for holidays. It really is because it's Biltong's delicious. Nah, man, it's what we like to call delicious butt strips. And that's because that's a part of the animal where they, where they slice the meat from. That's where they dry it out and into strips. And it's uh, absolutely delicious. It's savory. It's succulent. Pick an adjective that means juicy. And that's it, which is why it's like jerky, yet not. And it's fantastic. And then, you know, me and Matt both like to work out. Uh, my gun's a little bigger than Matt's, but that's only because he focuses a little more on cardio. That's the only reason why. No, you know. But, oh, there it is. There it is. But, but because we both like some Biltong, and it's got 30 grams of protein in two-ounce pouch, Matt's guns, they tell me, have gotten even bigger. Is that what they say? <laughs> that's what they say. <laughs> well, there you have it. So, Bruce Biltong, and, and the good thing is, guys, whenever you order it, whether it's your first time or your 10th time, doesn't matter. That promo code JAM15 at checkout, J-A-M-15 at checkout, gets you 15% off every time at BrewsBillTong.com. Bang, bang. There Eat it is. and watch your guns grow. Wow, look at that. Eat Biltong and watch your guns grow. Bang, bang. Don't forget that part. Bang, bang. All right. <laughs> no, with some energy. Bang, bang. Bang, bang. Biltong ma- makes your guns grow. God, See? Look at that. You just came up with another tag. I like that one. Yes. It's better. I, I, you know what? That might be better than the other ones you came up with. I can say this, though. If you hear your car going bang, bang, you might want to get on over. What a great segue that was, by the way. You might want to get bang, over to. Bang, Yeah. Like what? Oh, no. Freeway tire. Check it out. Yeah. What is that noise? I'm going to freeway tire shop because, you know, JR will figure it out, man. And he's going to take care of you. The mechanic you can trust at freeway tire shop, JR and his crew, you just. There is no better mechanic or, or car auto shop ever. Like, we have found the Taj Mahal of mechanics. Bro, broets, just drive five miles north of downtown, up 35, get off at uh, Commonwealth, roll into Freeway Tire and just say, hey, here's my car, I trust you. That's really all you got to do because, number one, you can trust JR to figure out what the hell is wrong with your ride. Number two, you can trust JR to give you quality parts to fix your car, which is an underrated deal, man. And then number three, bro, you can trust JR to get you a fair price. And this is what I like. You can trust JR to stand behind his work. Stand behind it. If it don't f- feel right after a couple of days, you bring it back. Yo, it's still making a little note. Oh, okay, here's what it is. Blah, blah, blah. Dude, you can't really ask for much more than that from a mechanic. That's why I rock with him. I take my cars there. I ride with him. He's my guy. JR and Freeway Tire Shop experience the best mechanic work, the mechanic you can trust. 
Schedule an appointment or request a quote at freewaytireshop.com. So we take this trip around the block, and I thought this is funny. You sent me this article, and I had seen this a couple of days ago, and it is, it is amazing. I will say that. But Rollertown Brewing Company, which is based in Salina, just, I was going to say just north of downtown. It's not just north of downtown Dallas, like an hour north of downtown Dallas. But Rollertown Brewing Company, who was a brewery that was opened, man, I want to say three years ago, backed by the main investors and owners in it are Ben and Skin, longtime radio hosts that have been at every radio station, it seems like, in Dallas and are now working at 97.1 The Freak. They have just announced that they are expanding into a second location in downtown Frisco and that downtown Frisco is revitalizing itself. And they offered Rollertown $12 million in incentives. This is going to be apparently like a a huge, gorgeous facility. And you want to talk? I mean, I I saw this and I had to say, I just said, wow. I was like, wow, huh? Incredible. Ben and Skin, Rollertown Brewing Company, man. Beer moguls. Who knew? Who knew indeed? And, and it, that is a fascinating one. It really is. But it just goes to show, I know Three Nations is expanding as well. They just announced that they are opening a new location in Anna. So that whole region, like north of north, like we yeah. used to say like, oh, yeah, you know, Plano, Frisco, McKinney, Allen, they're blowing up. They were blowing up. Now everybody is going north of that, and you are seeing Salina exploding and Prosper Anna, and Anna and Melissa. Yeah, all those towns that are way up there are blowing up and have crazy projected growth. And, and what's wild is once you get to a certain point up there, you are literally closer to Oklahoma than you are to downtown Dallas. Dude, I was finna call it Southern Oklahoma. I mean, you really are. It, it, it's. It's incredible the growth in some of those areas that, that are that far north. And now you're seeing these big time breweries that are seeing the path of where all this is going and are making those plans to open second locations and whatnot. But, you know, hey, good for Ben and Skin, because that is obvious. I mean, that, they're going to bank on that. And good for their silent investor, who some of you may <laughs> remember who played for the Mavericks. <laughs> And then you hey, sent man. me you sent me this list, and this is this is always interesting because it's amazing that you have done something in life that a lot of the times you continue to capitalize on, and even more so after you pass. But Forbes has released their annual richest dead celebrities list, and the money that some of these people make, despite the fact that they have been gone for years, just it it's. I mean, it's incredible. It's nothing less than just mind boggling. When you think about it, I I think I bet most people could figure out the number one on the list. If you thought about it and you realized everything that goes on with this franchise. Number one, Elvis, right? It's not Elvis. No, Oh, it's not Elvis. He's in the top five, though. Okay. Number one is the man who created the Lord of the Rings. That is J.R.R. Tolkien. And he died in 1973. God, I know he'd been gone that long. But as you might imagine, they just started a new show on Amazon. There's all sorts of different things. The books, the movies, everything that has come out. He, last year in 2021, or in 2022, I guess this is for, like the last calendar year, his estate made $500 million dollars. 
Oh my, that's half a billion. Number two on the list is a man who had a 7% stake in the Body Armor Energy Drink, served on the company's board, and then in November of last year, Coke bought out the 70% of Body Armor it didn't already own at $5.6 billion, and Kobe Bryant's estate received $400 million from that sale. So Kobe Bryant was number two on the list. Wow. Number three was David Bowie, who his estate pulled in $250 million. Number four was Elvis, who died at 42 years old. And his estate, and this is like an annual thing. Like every year, Elvis's estate is bringing in right around $100 million. This year, he brought in $110 million. Now, you know what's weird about that? Is I don't know, and don't ask me why. I never, I, I never really thought about it till now. I didn't realize he was only 42. Yeah, man. I mean, that, that's, that's what's shocking about how young that he was when he passed. And, you know, that whole Elvis movie and the story of his life and, and how his handler, Colonel Tom Parker, basically ripped him off and he could have been way richer than he actually was. But what's wild is, you know, they, they didn't make a ton of money off the Elvis biopic that they made. But because of like the music that gets sold and, and merchandise that people are that are rediscovering Elvis, all the stuff from Graceland and all of that, it, it continues to drive, you know, you, you drive sales because of that. And they continue like every year he's making right around one hundred million dollars, even in death, which is just wild. OK, see, I just did the math. I think he's been dead longer than he was alive now. Yeah, that would be correct. Yeah, he has been. Which is just crazy. It is crazy. And and. You know, the Elvis, it's almost like the Elvis extravaganza that just it, it just keeps going and it's still here year in and year out. And if you guys haven't seen the movie, I thought the the biopic was fantastic. If no, you're into I Elvis. did not see that. It's worth it. I, I mean, if, if, if you were ever into Elvis at all, like it, it, it's a really, from what I understand, pretty straightforward and to the to the way it actually happened telling of his life. All right. Like his family approves of it. Priscilla and oh, what's their daughter's name? Or no, no. Lisa Marie was his wife. Priscilla's his daughter. They say that that's that, that you know, they approve it. And they're like, yeah, this is Elvis. This is how it was and all that type of thing. And I think it was the other way around. Have you ever been to Graceland, his mansion? No. There's a couple of times I was close to going, but for whatever reason, didn't go. I will say this. I haven't been since I was in fourth grade. It's in Memphis for those that don't know. But man, there are times because we're not that far from Memphis. And there are times where I've thought about going again as an adult because I remember as a kid being like, this is nuts. You know, he had like a room that had mirrors all over the ceiling and all those TVs in it and stuff. And they've kept it the way that it was at the time of his death and everything. And I mean, it's kind of worth checking out. And, And I've thought because we drive through Tupelo every time we go to the fiance's dad's house because he lives in Oxford, Mississippi. And we, I mean, right. we go through Tupelo and that was his birthplace. And there's signs on the side of the road, exit now to see Elvis's boyhood home and all this stuff. And I'm, I've always been like, you know, one day we ought to just go over there. You should. I mean, why not? It's like this historical site. I'm sure that it's like a quick little tour. And, you know, I like Elvis. I'm not like obsessed with them or anything. But for someone who is... I mean, again, to your point, Jacques, we're talking about a dude who died longer than he was alive. And yet I would say most people, when you say Elvis, 
people are very familiar and at least have an idea of who Elvis was. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, everybody knows at least one Elvis song. Yeah, I would think so. So number number five on this list of dead celebrities is James Brown, believe it or not, who died in 2006. James Brown. His estate brought in $100 million. So James Brown made $100 million last year? Apparently so, man. And, And how about this? Because Brown's estate uses some of the proceeds to fund academic scholarships for needy children into perpetuity. No, dude, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Number six is Michael Jackson, whose estate brought in $75 million last year. That seems a little low for Mike. Numbers also tied at number seven, or excuse me, number seven is bringing in $55 million, Leonard Cohen. Where did I know that name from? Leonard Cohen was the Hallelujah Crooner. Okay, I don't know that. I I'm, do not know this guy either, to be honest with you. I'm very unfamiliar with this person. Interesting. I, I, okay, well, there's that guy. Number eight, Dr. Seuss. I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, the man known as Dr. Seuss brought in $32 million. Number nine at $25 million, Jeff Porcaro, who was, this is nuts, dude. He was the drummer from Toto in the 1980s. Okay, why is he making so much money? He was an industry legend. Not only did he co-write Africa, he was the go-to studio drummer for Quincy Jones and kept the beat on the best-selling album of all time, Michael Jackson's Thriller. Oh, okay. (laughs) So no wonder, man. How nuts is that? Bizarre. God, you're some dude that none of us would know who you are, but because you drummed on Thriller and he also collaborated with Eric Clapton, Paul McCartney, Bruce Springsteen, he gets a portion. You know, I mean, Bruce Springsteen just sold, I think it was this past year, it was either this year or last year, he sold his entire catalog. He now no longer owns because he sold it, I want to say, for $300 million. Gee, I guess that's enough to sell it for. Yeah, so now they can use it in commercials and, oh, I'm sorry, it was over $500 million. Half a billion. And he did that at the end of last year, half a billion. And I've heard him talk about that before. And he basically was like, I mean, I'm towards the end of my life and I can use this money to change my family for generations. What do I care what they do with my music when I'm dead? I guess. He's like, I didn't see any reason to keep owning it. Let them use it. Let them get it out there. It works for me. (laughs) I was like, that makes sense. 500 million, it probably worked for me. Yeah, that changes the game a little bit, I would say, doesn't it? So our final celebrity in the top 10 is the creator of the Peanuts cartoon, and that is Charles Schultz, whose estate brought in $24 million last year after his death. And I ain't surprised by that. No, I'm not either. And that's the thing, man. You you see some of those, and it's just... It's amazing to think that some of these people who died... I mean, granted, inflation comes into play on this, but a couple of the Beatles are further down the list. I bet they make more money in their death than they did while they were alive. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, that's generally the way it goes. Like Michael Jackson, I guarantee you Elvis. I mean, Elvis in his life, they say when he died, his net worth was really not that much because he spent stuff like crazy. And he makes more on an annual basis now than he ever did while he was alive. Jeez. I mean, think about that. Unbelievable. I'm telling you, man, that movie is worth watching because his manager, some dude named Colonel Tom Parker, was literally taking half of everything that Elvis ever made. (laughs) 
And the reason why Elvis never toured overseas, he never went overseas, is because Colonel Tom Parker was like, he didn't have a passport because he couldn't get one because he wasn't technically a citizen or some crap. So he, he kept telling Elvis that it wasn't worth it going overseas and doing these big tours. And Elvis would just, okay, man, I got you. I, and he just trusted anything this dude said. I mean, it is a wild story to see everything that Elvis went through in his life and, and how he got into pills and all that type of stuff and the way that he was with women. I mean, it's just... It's crazy, dude. It is that it's totally worth watching. And the dude that plays Elvis, I mean, you, there are times watching this biopic where you, I, it's like, this is Elvis. And you're like, no, it's not. This is an actor. You're like, no, they, th this is dead footage of Elvis. There's no way that's an actor. I mean, he's he that was, good playing Elvis. I guess he was born to be that guy. I guess so, man. And, and that's one of those where you have seen, you know, we talked about this before, but you've seen so many great performances in movies that are like this that have won Oscars have been nominated for Oscars. And I, I, I don't know if he'll win the Oscar, but man, I'd be surprised if that dude doesn't get a nomination because he was Elvis. The dude was Elvis. You should watch it. It's good. And I, I got to tell you, like, I didn't even really know. I mean, I'm familiar with some Elvis songs and some Elvis music, but that was one of those that it's like when I read the Led Zeppelin book, it made me go back and listen to a lot of Led Zeppelin. Watching this movie made me go back and listen to a lot of original Elvis stuff because, I mean, I've heard it from time to time, but I've never really sat down. Like, I never listened to Elvis's greatest hits or anything like that before. All right, so did you get into Elvis music? Yeah, it's kind of cool. I mean, he had some good stuff, man. I mean, it's, it's not... Obviously, we have gone past that, but I understand his greatness, and I get why he I mean he inspired bands like the Beatles they, they talk about what an inspiration Elvis was to them and that when they met him they were freaking out because they got to meet Elvis that's the Beatles I mean think about that wow all right I got you what's yeah. your favorite Elvis song oh man that's there's some good ones I don't know I'm trying to think uh Fool's Rush In I think is the name of it that's pretty pretty good all right I'm trying to think God, what the name of that was. I'm trying to think of the technical name of it. In the Ghetto, I believe it was called. God, that's a good song. Oh, all right. All yeah, right. that is a, that, I mean, that is just a really, really good song. You know, and then you've got the, you ain't nothing but a hound dog. You know, that type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love it, man. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, good time. So check it out. I mean, it's, it's anybody that has that many hits has got to do something good, but yeah, in the ghetto, which was a song I was completely unfamiliar with until I saw it in the movie and they, with the time that he sang it and it came out, and I was like, "Holy crap, that is a fantastic song!" And he got a lot of accolades for it, and that was like a part of his career. After he'd had all those early hits in the early in the fifties and the early sixties, that's one that he put out later in his career that kind of launched him back to like number one and all that type of thing years later. So there you have it. I hope everybody enjoyed our dead celebrity list. Hell yeah. All righty, let's get in. We've got to have our Cowboys conversation, and it is time because we do this every week, so let's get to them. It is time. We do it each week to check in with longtime Cowboys beat writer from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. You know him well. Clarence Hill Jr. joining us here. And chill last week, I mean, disappointment all the way around. They got problems in the run defense. Dak wasn't very good. All This, that, everything's happening. They blow the lead at Green Bay. Where is this team right now as they get set to head into Minnesota? How do you view this version of the Cowboys? I mean, I, 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 they're not ready for prime time. I mean, this, this was a game you, you had to win, you should win. If, if you're that team, 
that's ready to take that next step. This was not a good Green Bay team. You know, I, I know they have Aaron Rodgers. You know, they had lost five straight games. Um, they were without two of their best defensive players. They were without two of their best receivers. You know, you're up 28-14 in the fourth quarter. If you're ready to take that next step, you have you should win this game. You know, there, there's no excuses. This this that that was a huge failure, and, and, and they felt that they were. Mike McCarthy was emotional after the game, upset. The players were upset, fighting and, and talking trash because in the locker room they're mad, they're angry. Uh, and the reason for that this this was you know I talked to Jaron Curse yesterday uh, on uh, on Wednesday, and he said it was it was it, it was what they've done the past two weeks was like the San Francisco playoff loss when they got run down and run over, you know, mm-hmm. to give up 200 yards on defense, on the ground to the Bears, have a bye week and give up 200 more yards to the Packers can't happen. And and it reminds us that that was a weakness last year and it's still a weakness this year. If you're doomsday, and I know everybody wants to talk about that didn't play well. Now you, you start up your the opening monologue that didn't play, the offense didn't play well. Yeah, 28-14 lead in the fourth quarter. If you're that team, and this team, we've talked all season, is led by the defense. This is a defensive-led team, allegedly. Even the best part of this team, the best part of the team is defense. And you got run over like you did. How can you have confidence that you could have any playoff success? Well, damn, how they going to fix it, bro? They say they got the right guys. They, you know, they said guys were, you know, I think part of it is they still get caught up in the sack party and everybody wants to make a play and get a sack that they, they weren't. Um, they're doing individual things. You know, they said everybody's trying to be individual, not being accountable and not doing their job. You know, they got to better do their job. You know, but, but again, I, I think that this is a bigger issue. I don't know that they have the right personnel. You know, they've never invested in interior defense alignment, you know, with, with, with high picks. Uh, you go back to 2020, when they had the worst defense in franchise history, gave the most points in franchise history, the second most yards, second most rushing yards. You got rid of uh, Mike Dolan, bringing Dan Quinn, and the defense got better. But it was opportunistic defense, also a defense that often played with leads because you had the number one offense. Uh, in terms of scoring in yards, you know, they blew out a lot of opponents. Uh, most time their opponents were playing from behind, so that run defense looked like it was better until we got to the playoff game and Debo Samuel ran through their throat. And this year, there are no leads. You know, the game's all close, and teams are able to run on them and continue to make a living on the ground on them. You know, um, how do you fix it? Man up, bow up. Somebody got to bow up. You know, the edge, you know, giving up edge runs, giving up leaky yards up the middle, that, that just can't happen. And, you know, it's scary because look at what the Cowboys are facing coming down the stretch. A lot of run-oriented teams with some of the top running backs in the league. And you can include Texas running back and the Colts running back. You have bad teams, they can run the ball. You know, and that's not, you know, and then you got to take one Barkley. So you got the Vikings this weekend, Dalvin Cook. Uh, you got the Eagles in a very rushing attack. You got Derrick Henry, uh, the best of the best, you know, with the, with the Tennessee Titans. 
they got to blow up and stop the run, or this season will be over. So how do you see it happening? Because as you mentioned, I mean, that's, it, it's those big backs that are coming. Dalvin Cook this week. Dalvin Cook in this Vikings run game that's capable. I mean, he's got in his last three games two 100-plus yard games. And then the other part of that is – this is, a, this is an offense, as you know, Chill. I mean, they've got Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. They've got some weapons. Do they stop Dalvin Cook? Can they slow him down this week? Do you expect you know, a better defensive effort? The Vikings' offense is much better than the Packers. <laughs> yeah, because, because of the receiving core and the goal Dalvin Cook. But teams, you know, when have you ever seen the Aaron Rodgers-led team pass them six times in the first half? Passed for 20 times an entire game, and they scored 31 points in the win. Teams are going against their own uh, interests to, to t- tackle the Cowboys' run defense. That's how bad it is. And, and I know you got Justin Jefferson. I know you got a great tight end, uh, good receivers. But if I'm the Vikings, I'm running down their throat until they prove they can stop it. I'm doing edge. I'm like, oh, Justin Jefferson, you go out, you stay out there. I'm sitting down and cook at their butt. No, actually, I think uh, I think you're right. I think, and I, I was telling Matt this, you know, you'll see the best that they have to offer this week because, you know, they've been talking about it all week. They were embarrassed. Uh, they got manhandled. And so the way you respond is more attention to details. And if you can stop it, then you'll stop it this week after, after you didn't heard about it so much. And if you can't, well, then it's just going to be a long season. Yeah, I mean, you don't stop it this week. You got the Giants four days later. You know what they're going to do with Saquon Barkley. You know, and, and and they're again teams. You know, you look back to the Bears. Bears are down by three touchdowns. They're running the ball. And yeah, the Cowboys got the win. But what the Bears did on the run is what everybody's been doing. They're just they're saying forget whatever's going on. We're running on the Cowboys. So the Cowboys can't stop the run. And the Cowboys know it, and they still couldn't do nothing about it. That's what they're so mad about. You know, they they knew what the Bears did. They had a bye week. It's something they talked about. They focused on. Packers saw what the Bears did, did the same thing, opened the game with edge runs, and the Cowboys didn't do nothing. Now, all of a sudden, they woke. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to be able to do something. You got to show me, baby. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with this thing. I mean, it, you, you want to believe in it, but at least I do. But again, I don't know why I believe in it yet because I haven't seen it from you. The the other side of this, chill, the offense, the, the turnovers, the interceptions, who's to blame? It, it, McCarthy said it was the receivers. It, it seemed to be the routes in Green Bay. But what have you seen from Dak Prescott so far since he has come back from the injury and the level at what he is playing at? Where would you put it? Uh, obviously, you know, Dak Prescott has is, is, is not played his best football. But again, can I see? Can somebody make a play like Justin Jefferson? I mean, you, you saw other receivers that make a play for their quarterback. You know, uh, those, no, they got rid of them guys. I, exactly. You know, week in and week out, the Cowboys take the field with the less talented receiver core. The less talented receiver week in and week out. Week in and week out, they have the less talented receiver. Yes, Jack needs to play better. But his, his, his receivers get no separation. Uh, none. Uh, the interceptions were not Dak Prescott's fault. I know everybody wants to point to the quarterback, but to a man, from the Cowboys to Michael Irvin, the people that look at those routes and how they were handled, CeeDee Lamb, 
was part of the mix, the mess on, on both of them. The first one, you know, he and Dalton Schultz were too close together. They got knocked out their routes. They weren't what they're supposed to be. They pulled across the safety space. The second one the same. They see the landing across the safety space, uh, with the same thing that happened in the Bears game at the end of the first half. Well, he didn't cross the safety space. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. But it's easy to point at Dak. Yeah, Dak has not been as accurate as they should have been early in the game. But, you know, if CeeDee Lamb crosses the safety space, it's early on that second and the second, that don't happen. The ball hits him in the chest, so he's an incomplete pass. You know, he did do it later in the game. And over time, they went back to the same play, and he made the play. Uh, is it Dak's fault that uh, – those two penalties in overtime, which would have changed the trajectory of that game. You know, the, the run by, by Pollard and your receiver, your rookie receiver, we talk about the receiver, gets called for offsides on offense? How do you freaking line up off freaking sides? That boggles my mind how a receiver mm-hmm. can line up offsides. And according to Mike McCarthy, he should have got two penalties on the play because he also was in legal motion because he backed up right before the start of the play. You know, the, 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 the receiver core is bad. It has been bad. I've been saying this since training camp. The fact that they're going after OBJ, just openly thirsting for OBJ. I don't know if you know about thirsting, but they thirsted. They part. They thirsted. You know, the fact that they tried to trade for Brandon Cooks and Jerry Judy. You know, the fact that they signing Antonio Callaway and then throwing a, throwing a Hail Mary up for this guy who has problems from the past. And Jerry Jones got rid of people who weren't reliable and, and you know, didn't show up. And, you know, and, and then you bring Antonio Callaway and playing since 2020 because of suspensions and injuries and everything else. But that, that's what the desperation is. Certainly it's a tacit admission that they made a mistake getting rid of Amari Cooper and how they handled receiving court offseason. That we like our guys, but suddenly they don't like their guys. They need help. <laughs> yes, yeah, Stevie Wonder could have seen that. But, 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 but we saw we started with Dak, and, you know, Dak can play better. He he, 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 he will play better. You know, Mike McCarthy said, with his, you know, it's, it's actually his first outdoor game since last year. Whatever. Uh, but – you know, again, there are other things that work. It's even a point to the forty million dollar quarterback because he has a forty million dollar money. But again, it you the stupid penalties, receivers do not do what they're supposed to do. It would have been a different game anyway. Uh, what do you think is going to happen with Anthony Brown this week in concussion protocol? I, I talked to Anthony uh, and he said he's going to play. He he practiced yesterday, went to the walkthrough on Wednesday with the Cowboys. Uh, he's still in protocol, but they expect him to play. So would you put Trayvon on Thielen and double-team Justin Jefferson, or would you put Trayvon on Jefferson? And what you're going to do with that tight end is getting like five or six balls a game that just got from, from, De- from G- Detroit. That's, I mean, they, they, that's, that's, uh, that's J. Ron Kerr's responsibility, ain't it? They got a varied offense with, with some players that, that make plays. And, you know, the Cowboys, again – it's funny because the Cowboys would rather have them throw the ball than run the ball, even with Justin Jefferson and Thielen, because at least they can get to the quarterback, at least try to get to the quarterback, which has been the strength of the team. Uh, certainly uh, teams have stayed away from Diggs. You know, and personally, if, if, if I would put Diggs on Jefferson. 
because he's he, he's the the, the cute. Uh, that's what that's the one that makes play. That's the, that's where the, the the most acute uh, damage can happen. Is Zeke going to play on Sunday? Is he good to go? Uh, the, the plan is for Zeke to play. You know, he he, he went through the walkthrough yesterday. He should practice today, and the plan is for him to play. And you know, that, that's the other dirty little secret is that we're not talking about the four minute offense in the fourth quarter. They couldn't run out the clock. They couldn't run the ball. Certainly, again in overtime, the penalties hurt. They, they sent them back. They had two good runs in overtime, but in the fourth quarter, when they could run the ball, get first down. They couldn't get it done. You know, certainly Zeke would have helped. As well as Tony Pollard plays, Zeke would have helped late in that game. Interesting. Interesting. So who you got? I guess you got the you got the Vikings blowing them out. I got the Vikings winning. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you got to show me I'm from Missouri. I got you know, again, you 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 you've already shown me enough and 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 certainly until you stop the run, until you bow up and slow down the road. Yeah, you, you got you got to show me. No, well, fair enough. All right, Clarence Hill. And, and again, if you don't stop the bleeding now, it ain't gonna stop. It's only gonna get worse. Yeah, yeah we're, we're talking yeah. about a team that that has Super Bowl hope and all this other stuff. It's wide open, and you you waiting for OBJ. He ain't gonna be OBJ ain't coming if he come for another till December or so. You, 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 it's, it's urgent now. It's urgent the mofo now for the Cowboys. Yeah, it is. And then if you can get some momentum here, as you know, and you, you kind of went through it, if you can show that you can slow down the Vikings and you've fixed something on run defense, I mean, the Giants, the Colts, the Texans coming up in the next three, you, you've got a chance to get something going here. And then Jacksonville after that. So you got to get this, man. You got to stack these wins. I know that. You got to stack with, you know, even if you slow down. The, the Vikings team gonna still run it. You got to prove more than one week. It's, it's still it, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 an issue that teams are gonna attack week in and week out. Clarence Hill, as always, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for the time. All right, thank you guys. All right, there he is, Cowboys beat writer Clarence Hill Jr. joining us and. Uh, he hates the Cowboys. Apparently, that's what I got. And they, they can't stop. They can't stop the Vikings. Unbelievable. Nah, I was messing with him, man. Because last week it was. Oh, the Cowboys got no problem with this Green Bay team. They should blow them out. They should take care of this. <laughs> it's, it's a wrap. You know, I don't know what it is. You know, Aaron Rodgers no longer the big bad wolf. And then a week later, they'll never win again. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, I mean, you. It, it's, hey, you, that's kind of what the fan mentality is. And Chill's not a fan, but I mean, it, it's, you get frustrated, you live and die in, in each and every game. You know, after what we saw last week, they're doomed. They're going to suck. And if they go to Minnesota and, and throttle the Vikings and then win four or five in a row, we're talking about a different team. We'll see what happens. But it's, it's going to be a fun one on Sunday. Very much looking forward to it. Also very much looking forward, as I'm sure many of you would be, to Smokey John's Barbecue, man. And if you get a chance, I was trying to find that tweet. We had one of our listeners who tweeted at us yesterday a picture of the Jam Session Bowl. And I thought it was awesome. Uh, who, who was it? It was, oh, look at this. Milton does real estate. Milton yes. does real estate is the guy who tweeted us that picture. He says, you guys know what time it is. And it was a picture of the jam session bowl at Smokey John's. 
And then somebody responded to him and said, man, this looks crazy. I got to get to Texas and try it. Yeah. <laughs> you do. No, Smokey Johns is great, man. And the Jam Session Bowl is part of their greatness. It's a uh, mac and cheese or mashed potato base. Uh, your choice of two smoked meats. I usually rock with the brisket and the sausage, man. And then they put all the kind of stuff you'd find on a baked potato from chives to sour cream to bacon bits to butter. Drizzle it with some of that sweet sauce that uh, Matt likes to drink straight from the bottle. Mm. Put a lid on it and boom, off you go. Feeds two and you got leftovers, man. If you got a little kid, they can feed all three of y'all. But, dude, it's it's a bunch of food. It's all fantastic. And it's only on Smokey John's secret menu. So if you don't ask for it, you ain't going to know about it. Yeah, they made it just for listeners of the podcast. Only available to Jam Session listeners because you got to know that it exists to order it. The Jam Session Bowl at Smokey John's Barbecue. So swing by. It's right over there off Mockingbird, just north of downtown Dallas, in between 35 and Love Field. They've been there for a long time, man. Family owned and operated, and they're going to get you taken care of at Smokey John's Barbecue. So it's the hot stove season in baseball. And the Texas Rangers are expected to be very active. And free agency is open. You know, apparently they were kind of hoping that they might get Clayton Kershaw. And maybe at some point when Kershaw decides to hang it up, he will do the Nolan Ryan thing where he'll come to Dallas and and just kind of help a younger staff and maybe give you a year or something like that. But Kershaw re-upped with the Dodgers. Dude, I don't even want Clayton Kershaw, man. He is old and over the hill. And his... I mean, his, his best days are behind him. He's always hurt. Even though he pitched good when he pitched last year, the Dodgers can afford that. Here, he'd be cast as a savior, and you'd lead to disappointment. Yeah, and, and, and uh, it's interesting because he hadn't even turned 35 yet. He will before the beginning of the season. But then you look at a guy like Justin Verlander, who just won his third Cy Young Award and turns 40 before the beginning of next season. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I still think that, Ver, that uh, Kershaw at some point... I bet he spends a year with the Rangers. And maybe it is. Maybe like what you're talking about, and he just is a spot starter. But a guy like that, man, if, if you've got a young staff, it's almost like a second pitching coach in a sense. We'll see. But he's not going to come to Texas this year because he re-upped with the Dodgers for a year. One thing that the Rangers have done so far, and this is interesting, they made a deal with Atlanta like a little over a week ago to get Jake Odorizzi Atlanta paid $10 million of his $12.5 million salary for 2023. So they've got a guy who's 33 years old, but he is a guy that has made 237 starts. He did not, he was just kind of average the last couple of years with Houston and Atlanta going 12 and 13 with the 4.30 ERA. But they traded Colby Allard or Allard, whatever his name is, they gave up on that dude. So the fact that you got a guy who can give you 150 innings minimum as your fifth starter for two and a half million dollars, not bad. <laughs> I mean, no, I like that move. I thought the funny part was Atlanta. He he called the, the Braves to say, "Hey, uh, you know, I got a player option. I'm opting in." And they were like, yeah. "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Oh no, dog, we didn't plan for that. Uh, hold tight." Yep. And so they didn't even announce the move because they're like, nah, bro, you're not fit to pitch for us. We'll find you a nice home and we will basically pay you to go away. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, I don't mind that. And then a couple of days ago, Martin Perez accepted the the tender offer that he got. So he's coming back for one year at nineteen point six five million dollars. Dude, as he should. Who the hell else? was? I mean, he was like, oh, I'm disappointing. Duh. 
They put that $19 million in front of you. You should sign it before they realize what they really did. Yeah, man, like he screwed up not taking because they offered him a long term, like a longer term contract of a few years. And I think he's going to learn he screwed up not signing that. The good news is that now you got Martin Perez and Jake Odorizzi. So you know that you've got two guys and then they made a trade the other day for another starter. So they've got three starters under contract right now in their rotation for about $27 million. That's pretty good. That's not bad at all, which means they are expected to be major players for the top line free agent pitchers in the market, including the best one available in Carlos Rodon, who is, to me, if, I, if, if I'm going after a free agent pitcher, Jacob deGrom is in his mid-30s. I, I'm, I'm eh. Jacob, De, or excuse me, Carlos Rodon turns 30 in December, and he is going to cost you, he is a $35 million a year guy. But he is a dude who is at 30 years old, you got to expect, can give you four or five years, barring injury, of being a solid number one starter that can top a rotation that's got some youth coming out of the system in the next couple of years. All right. So you down with it? Dude, if they got him, I would be extraordinarily down with that. I would be down with that as a matter like just, and again, it's nice to see this organization spending money. You like seeing that. I like the fact that he's only going to be 30, like in point to it, you know, Jacob DeGrom is going to be 35 years old in the middle of next season. Clayton Kershaw is actually like six months older than Jacob DeGrom. And, and so to me, I'd rather go with the guy like a Carlos Rodon, who has been in his eight years in the majors is a guy with a three, six ERA that has started 147 games and has really started to turn it on here in the last few years. He was virtually, I don't want to say dominant, but pretty damn good the last two seasons with Chicago and San Francisco, posting a below three ERA in both of those winning 10 plus games. So he's got a little something. Jeez, baseball's just insane, man. Baseball you is tell, insane. You, you tell me, because you know, y'all know I haven't really followed baseball. I barely followed the Rangers the last couple of years. I'm really down on baseball. So you tell me, oh, this guy, you know, he's dominant. He should be, you know, legitimate big-time starter, $35 million a year. And then you tell me he's got an ERA of like 3-6 and yeah, he's got 10-plus I mean, wins you know, the last two years. This. I'm like, really? That, that gets you $35 million these days? Yeah, it does. I mean, if, if you're a guy that, that can start and you've shown – that you can win. And, and again, the last two years, I mean, that's his for his career. The last two years, his ERA in the last two seasons combined is like two five. OK, that's that's much better around eight. Like my mind still thinks anything under anything above three, you're good. But you're not like lock it down ace material. Yeah. And he's a lefty, which is nice, I think. And so to me, it's. You know, we'll see what they decide to do. I, I know a lot of there, there's a lot of Jacob DeGrom is the top free agent guy available. I just for a dude that has dealt with arm issues over the course of the last two, three years, who's going to be 35 years old. I'm going to pass. I've got zero interest in 40 year old Justin Verlander. And after that, you know, Luis Severino, who is a uh, and, and I don't know if they exercised his option or not. Maybe they did. I'd have to go back and check. But that's the problem is a lot of these guys, like if you just go and look at the top free agent pitchers available, DeGrom will be 35. Justin Verlander will be 40. Clayton, Clayton Kershaw is going to be 35. Bassett's going to be 34. Adam Wainwright's going to be 41. I, I just, 
you kind of lose me a little bit when you start throwing out dudes that are 35 and older. No, you and me both. And, you know, I know Thor is out there, Noah Syndergaard. He's 30 years old, but this is not the Noah Syndergaard that we once saw in Major League Baseball. So if if you're going to do it and you're going to put all your eggs in one basket, I think you got to put all your eggs in the Carlos Rodon basket and see if you can get him to come to Texas. You're going to have to money whip the hell out of a guy like that, but they did it last year with Simeon and Seager. Let's see if they do it again. I'd much rather money whip a legitimate big-time starter. Yeah, because then that would give you a rotation where you've got Carlos Rodon, you've got John Gray, you've got the the other two guys, Martin Perez, and you've got Jake Odorizzi, and then you see maybe there's a way that one of the young guys, you know, is lighter going to be ready at some point or one of these other guys in the minors that can come up and, and do a little something for the Rangers who... We were told by Chris Young, we've been told by the ownership, this is why they hired Bruce Bocce. They expect to be in the playoffs in 2023. That is the expectation of this franchise. All righty then. I mean, we'll see if they can do it. The Mariners are making moves. The Astros aren't going away. This is a tough division. Can they get in as a wild card? But that is what the expectation is. And I think they'll be pissed if they don't get into the playoffs, which is why they've made some of the moves that they're making and they're going to throw. They're going to throw some money out there. We'll see who they can bring in in another free agent hall for the Texas Rangers this year. So be looking forward to that. Pitchers and catchers, man, we're three months away, believe it or not. Jan. It'll be here before you know it. Jan says Jacques. Three months. Double you. Double yawn. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've always wanted to go to spring training. I think it'd be fun. Oh, well, tell me all about it. I've been here <laughs> I just think like if you're into a team and you go and you just spend a couple of days out there and doing some other stuff and experiencing Surprise Arizona, that might be fun. All right. Knock yourself out. It's right outside of Phoenix. And if Indeed it is. Indeed it is. Maybe if I'll go one day. Do. Who knows? That, my friends, is the Jam Session podcast. As always, we appreciate you. Hopefully, we'll get a Cowboys win that we'll be talking about when our next episode drops on Monday. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.